Petting on cliffcentral.com and uh, I'm Leanne Mole. I'm with you every Wednesday from 10 until 11 and I'm um, very excited to have a great lineup today. So let me just first introduce you to our guests who we've got in studio with us. Firstly, I always put the dogs first, <laughs> is O'Reilly. O'Reilly is a beautiful guide dog companion, uh, companion and she's here with SA Guide Dogs, Peter van Niekerk, who's the marketing manager. Am I right, Peter? Correct, yeah. Okay, and we've also got um, another guest who I'll explain a little bit later. Um, it's all in connection with fundraising for the SA Guide Dogs Association, which we are starting kicking off the show with today. We'll also hear from Chris Fellows, who is the shark man with a soft spot for seals. We'll also find out why lots of pigeons in cities is bad. Also, unknown facts about the fourth most popular dog breed in South Africa. And another chance to win a TW Steel Rhino Rage watch worth 6,000 Rand, exclusive to heavy petting. So let's start right away with Peter van Nikak, marketing manager of SA Guide Dogs and his guide dog, O'Reilly. Um, let's start off with what's, what's happening at the association at the moment. What's exciting? Yeah, and it's a very exciting year for us. Uh, you know, it's the first year after we celebrated 60 years of existence uh, during last year, 2013. Uh, so, you know, we're a charity that's here to stay and lots of exciting things happening at Guide Dogs. We've got a number of interesting fundraising events and we've got one that we specifically want to talk about um, today. Uh, we have got, you know, the dogs are good. Uh, the people still love us, our supporters love us, uh, the people still apply for their dogs. And I think what's very important uh, to put out there is that although we call it the South African Guide Dogs Association, we not only train just guide dogs for visually impaired people, we train dogs, uh, service dogs for people with physical impairments. And we also train nowadays what we call autism assist dogs, for children, children with uh, autism. And on top of that, a very important part of the association is, of course, our College of Orientation and Mobility, where we offer the alternative training for people who do not or cannot work with a dog or cannot afford a dog. And that is where we train practitioners to go out specifically more into your rural areas, identify people with blindness, assist them with skills of daily living training, train them with a long cane. So I would see, would like to see the Guide Dogs Association as the one-stop shop for independence and mobility. Jeez, there really is a lot going on there. Um, and obviously you're not only training dogs, you're training humans too to deal with dogs, these dogs, and to learn how to work with them. Um, I often see in my suburb um, the, the little younger uh, Labradors and Golden Retrievers who are being guided by, by sight people, people who can't see, and they're, they're all over the place in the beginning. And as, as I carry on driving past over a couple of weeks, I see them improving, which is, which is really great to see. Okay, so you've got O'Reilly here with you. Is O'Reilly your only companion? O'Reilly is my only four-footed companion. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes, I mean, uh, being part of an organization such as Guide Dogs, you uh, you have got many friends. Uh, he's also part of a family. I've, I'm married with a with a daughter. Yeah. Um, so O'Reilly is uh, is the companion of the of the family as well. I think 
I've met you before at um, the 5FM studios. I don't know if you ever went to those studios with O'Reilly. And I seem to have imagined O'Reilly being a black dog, but I was wrong. She's a blonde dog. She's absolutely beautiful, lying as still as always, very relaxed. And we're actually on AstroTurf in here, so she probably can feel that it's not actual grass. Yeah, but, um, yeah. Very, very relaxed and sweet. It could have been uh, my previous guide dog, Thornton. I had Thornton, a black Labrador, for about two years. That um, might have been it yeah, then. It okay. Could have been. How long have you had Riley for? I've, I've had O'Reilly now for five and a half years. Okay. Yeah. Then, it, then it could be. Could be. Makes sense. Um, I wanted to speak to you a little bit about the one thing that you mentioned, and that's how these dogs are being trained to help with children with autism. How does that work? Leanne, uh, we. We have realized that we actually had branched off our service dog training, which is something that came uh, into South Africa or that we brought into South Africa uh, so around about 1993. And that's where dogs can be helped, apart from guiding a visually impaired person to assist someone in a wheelchair. So that is our core business, apart from guide dogs, where we train dogs to retrieve to fetch, to carry, open and close doors, switch on lights, assist, you know, with payments at the at the cash point when, uh, you know, and, but that is a service dog. Mm. Now, linked to that is the autism assist dog, where we basically condition dogs to really latch on to children, um, you know, specifically children with autism, uh, because... You know, the dog is really having such a calming effect on that child. But it must be a family undertaking, a family commitment. Uh, so everybody in the family need to work, uh, be part and parcel of the partnership. And, you know, the results that we see with training the, the few children that we've trained so far, uh, on average about three or so, three to four, maybe five a year, um, is absolutely magnificent in terms of how calm, uh, the intervention of the dog can make um, that child and really buy a lot more quality time for the family per se. And obviously, as you say, the whole family needs to be involved because you can't have different instructions being given to exactly. the dogs and confusing the dogs. Exactly. Um, can you tell me, Peter, how are you guys doing with fundraising at the moment? Are you are you managing? Leanne, fundraising is always a, a difficult topic. Uh, there's Unfortunately, in South Africa, there is such a a big need for um, for services. People in need, people need um, some assistance. At this point in time, the Guide Dogs Association, due to uh, very careful planning and financial, uh, you know, we we're very careful when before we make financial commitments. Um, I I can say that you know we we're doing great at this point in time if you take the uh, the economy and and a lot of other factors into account and especially if you look at um you know the need out there uh you know how many other charities do suffer uh, at this point in time you know we can we can never have enough funding because the more funds we have the more we can expand the more dogs we can train the more people we can reach through our college uh, but at this point in time, we've been actually very fortunate and very blessed that, um, you know, we do we do make ends meet at the end of the day. Well, in one of those ways, <clears throat> pardon me, in one of those ways is, is by holding an annual big fundraising event, um, which you're currently working on now. It's called Guide Dogs Gala Variety Concert. 
and it's uh, leading artists performing for leading, in inverted commas, dogs. And that's taking place at Santon's Auto and General Theatre on the Square, uh, Sunday the 24th of August. It's not this Sunday, Sunday that's next Sunday. And um, with with me now is Philip Kuhn, who's also assisting with this concert. Welcome, Philip. Uh, hi. Hi, listeners. Um, yes, I'm very happy to be here. And also, I am a board member of Guide Dogs um, and a volunteer and um Last year, as you, as Peter mentioned, we had our Diamond Jubilee year, and we had a, a concert at the Johannesburg Theatre. Um, of course, that's a much bigger venue, and this year, and it was last year, it was put together by the late Michael de Kock, um, who unfortunately passed on uh, soon after the concert. But um, his, and he's very sadly missed in terms of putting this. Um, concert for 2014 together mm. so we've sized down somewhat yeah. um, to the auto and general theater on nelson mandela square um, run by daphne kuhn and she has done a wonderful job in uh, the pre-marketing of the concert and also uh, most generously um, given the theater for the purpose of the concert oh, that's fantastic. Um, all ticket sales Will go towards guide dogs. There, there are going to be there will be no payments to the artists. The artists are all performing without any charge whatsoever. Wow. Not not just performing, but also being at the theatre for rehearsals on the Saturday before and on the day. So um, it's it's just an amazing thing that these artists who yeah, are no, perform who normally perform pre- professionally. Here, do this from the, from the, from yeah. the bottom of their heart. And Philip, um, who is involved in terms of the talent well, at the stage? Um, well, let me start with um, Chet Dipram, who's putting the artistic side together. Um, Chet has done a, an amazing job of getting persuading the artists that take t- some persuading because they all very, have very busy schedules. And of course, uh, Michael, um, in his time, was was a master at getting people to commit to uh, doing things mm. uh, for charity. And um, Chet has put this together, um, together with um, Michael De Pinner. Um, yes, who we all know very well, we very charismatic. Very, yes, and uh, <laughs> Michael will be directing, and he's uh, uh, put together a star-studded lineup, um, amongst whom are Sita, uh, Carly Graham, if you remember her from uh, the lead of Starlight Express, um, Carly was also in Mamma Mia and uh, We Will Rock You. Then there's uh, comedian Mark Banks. Yes, who, who we all know yeah. as well. And um, Michael DePinner himself will be performing uh, uh, Keith Smith's um, uh, Karuna Divar and Fiona Ramsey. Um, we will have jazz. Um, there's the Santon Jazz Quartet. They will be performing in, in the... Uh, Lobby beforehand and, and, and at interval, and of course, sounds, sounds um, pianist Tony Bentel, also a comedy person. Mm. He's an amazing, uh, extraordinary um, entertainer. Philip, um, if we can, if we can cut to the chase here, yes. and that's because I know it sounds so fantastic that people mm. will want to buy tickets. Yes. How do we, how do we get tickets? Okay, so on Sunday the twenty fourth, there are two performances. One's at three o'clock, and one's at uh, six thirty in the evening. Um, remember, there are five Sundays in August, so surely um, your, listen, your uh, listeners will um, put, uh, set aside one of these one Sundays of them, yeah. to, <laughs> to join us in celebrating guide dogs and also contributing to the, to the funds of guide dogs. 
Um, they can make bookings by simply going online and uh, booking through strictlytickets.com. So it's www.strictlytickets.com or simply phoning 082-553-5901 or you can call Daphne at the theatre on 011-883-8606. Um, that's between 11 a.m. and 8 p.m. Fantastic. Thank you so much for telling us all of this. And I'll also put onto my Twitter and Facebook those details so you'll be able to get them there just to let you know that the ticket price is 250 rand with um, proceeds f- fully going to SA Guide Dogs. Thank you to you both. That's Philip Kuhn who is assisting with the concert this year for uh, the market, the um, South African Guide Dogs Association and the marketing manager thereof, Peter Fanikak, joining us and his guide dog, O'Reilly. Thank you so much for coming in. Thank you for the opportunity, Leanne. Much appreciated. Okay, so we're still on dogs. Um, We've been looking at a couple of famous breeds in South Africa. The tenth most popular dog breed in South Africa is the Pomeranian. The ninth is the Beagle. In eighth place, the Staffordshire Bull Terrier. Seventh, the Miniature Schnauzer. Sixth is the the Bull Terrier. In fifth place, um, we've got a little O'Reilly sitting here still, the Golden Retriever. Um, she would have fitted in right there. And today we found out some very surprising things about the fourth most popular in South Africa, the Rottweiler. So here's what Animal Planet's Dogs 101 says about this controversial breed. The Rottweiler, so cute they write children's books about him, like Good Dog Carl. Or the Rottweiler, a breed so dangerous it's one of the few breeds banned in some towns. Wait, these are the same dogs? These dogs are gentle, aggressive, sweet, protective. Huh? How is this possible? Well, it is. And we'll show you how this dog may be the most versatile breed around. This is a dog that that just needs a lot of work. You have to really be dedicated. You really do need to focus a lot on socialization and training. Good left for But there's something magical about that animal. The Rotties, as they are affectionately known, were bred to be fierce, aggressive guard dogs. But properly trained, they can be pushovers. That's a dog that can be absolutely ferocious and protective. But the flip side of that personality is an absolute lover, a, a gentle giant, a warm beast. How is it this dog can be so fierce and so friendly? Well, for starters, the dog is smart, and that makes him easily trainable. Here's my cookie. Look at me. This animal isn't for everybody. This dog needs serious training, making sure that it understands your lifestyle from A to Z in terms of who's coming, who's going, who to be nice to, when it should be in protection mode, and when it should definitely not be in protection mode. This is a fantastic dog if you do the right thing. The other thing that makes these Rotties such versatile dogs is their heritage. They were bred to work for you, protect you, and please you. As the working dogs of ancient Rome, they were originally bred to be herding and guard dogs. And they quickly became the favored four-legged worker. Herding, wrangling, all the stuff of old-day living. Today, these dogs are still no-nonsense creatures. Remember to tread with caution when first meeting a Rottweiler. Over a 20-year period, purebred Rottweilers have been responsible for 16% of all dog-related deaths in America, second only to the pit bull. 
you need to make sure that you're prepared to put in an enormous amount of energy and training when the dog is as young as possible to make sure that while that dog still has the potential to protect their family, that it's not a loaded gun. It's absolutely a majestic, loving creature. But when it's in warrior mode, listen, this is a dog that has massive stopping power. He's not afraid to use it. Due to this reputation, some insurance companies still refuse coverage to Rottweiler owners. This Herculean jaw is the most well-known feature of the Rottie. Stronger than a pit bull or a German shepherd. With 328 pounds of pressure per inch, the chomping power of this animal is massive. That power is all relative to skull size. The larger the skull, the stronger the bite. And Rotties have a big head. An instant Rottweiler giveaway is their coloring. Having no variation of color, their lips are always black, and so is their coat, with brown highlighting around the mouth, shoulders, and paws. Oh, and they have those cute circular brown eyebrows. Banned in the UK, the docking or clipping of a Rottie's tail is still widely practiced in the US. But now that pulling farm carts is not exactly necessary anymore, Rotties are getting their tails back. Unfortunately, due to overbreeding in the last 10 years, they have weak bones. They have a lot of problems now, a lot of hip problems, shoulder problems. Since Rottie pups will eat anything, it's easy to overfeed them, but don't. Too much protein equals growth spurts, which equals weak bones. But the real characteristic that Rotties are known for is loyalty. No joke, these guard dogs have your back. And in one very special case, the Rottweiler's smarts, strength, and loyalty were the difference between life and death. On a crisp spring day, little Mercedes Bedke, an active, smiling eight-year-old, had no idea her dog would save her life. It was lunchtime on this cattle ranch in Oakley, Idaho. And like every other day, Mercedes was doing what a kid her age does, playing with her best friend. Buster's my best friend because he's fun to play with. He likes to run around. He likes to go on the cattle. Buster, who had been adopted by the Bedkeys three weeks earlier, had taken to Mercedes instantly. And from that day forward, they spent every minute together. Anything Mercedes wanted to go do, Buster was right with her. That connection probably saved Mercedes' life. That afternoon, with Buster Doe, Mercedes decided to ride her horse. Well, I was on my horse, BJ, and I was seeing how fast he could go. The horse got running faster, trotting faster than she could handle, and he slipped. I flew off and hit the fence, and then he stepped on my skull. At that point... Buster went blazing back to the house and did everything he could to alert the family that something was very wrong. All of a sudden, there was a big thump at the door. And there was Buster not acting right. And I told Frank, I said, let's go find her. Something is not right. Mercedes' grandfather and great-grandfather jumped in the truck and started to drive to the north of the property. Buster knew she was in the other direction. He jumped and yelped and did all he could to get them to turn the pickup around and follow him. If he had enough sense to come to the door, he must know where he wants to go. They reversed direction and within minutes found Mercedes. 
Had they not followed Buster, it would have taken another 30 minutes. Taken immediately into surgery to relieve the pressure on her brain, Mercedes doctors believed that had she arrived any later, she would not have lived. In my eyes, he's more than a hero. <laughs> Miraculously, Mercedes made it out of surgery. After a three-week hospital stay, months of physical therapy, teaching her how to talk and walk again, she is now a happy 10-year-old. If a dog could get something for being a hero, Buster would definitely deserve that reward. Buster saved my life. I have billions of love for Buster. If Rottweilers are properly trained, they'll do anything for you. Rottweilers can adapt to multiple physical environments. This is a rugged dog that, that can live in any kind of climate. As long as this dog can get out and exercise, it can live anywhere. Rottweilers have a double coat, so they're going to shed. Yep, that black hair will get in every corner of the house, unless you brush them often. Unfortunately, due to overbreeding in the last 10 years, they often have hip dysplasia and weak bones. These dogs are very eager to please and they're very intelligent dogs. While easy to train, the training is not optional. Remember, this will put the gentle in our little giant. As a family dog, go in with your eyes wide open. Rottweilers need extra care. As pups, they need sensitizing to small children and strangers. Remember, each individual dog is different. But in general, the Rottweiler can live anywhere. They are not the healthiest and tend to have weak bones and just need a daily brushing. Early training is not optional. They are good family dogs, but be careful with strangers. If you want to adopt one, do your homework and select your dog with care. Well, here in South Africa, we've got Rottweilers who are tested according to a set of criteria to determine their suitability as guard dogs, family guard dogs, uh, family dogs and pets. So we have Rottweilers with Dog TV in action during the testing by the South African Rottweiler Working Dog Breed Council in Joburg. And we've got this clip from Image Lab. Oh, that's a gremlin. <laughs> it's a very odd song. I don't know where that came from. Anyway, what's quite cool is that um, there is a story about a cross Rottweiler breed who is at a place in uh, the UK, Battersea Dogs and Cats Home. You may have seen it on TV before. It's a really cool show. Um, her name is Bless, and she has a very sad face, and apparently it's left her without a home for more than five months since she was picked up as a stray. Staff at the dog home are concerned that she's failing to attract any interest because of her permanently mournful expression. Um, Blaise has a mournful face, but apparently a heart of gold, and anyone who, can't, who meets her can't believe what a gentle giant she is. Kind of reminds me of that cat that we, um, we know from going incredibly viral, and that's Grumpy Cat. Um, Grumpy Cat, if you remember her real name, is Tarda Sauce. And she's become an internet celebrity known for her grumpy facial expression. She's not, she's not really grumpy. Her facial expression is due to feline dwarfism. Um, and, uh, she also has an underbite. So it looks like she's grumpy the whole time. She's become so famous. She's actually on a book tour right now. Yeah. The, uh, the official grumpy cat book was published on July the 23rd. 
by Chronicle Books, and she's on tour now. It's available in both print and digital formats if you have a look online. Also, there is a Grumpy Cat 2014 wall calendar. Um, I actually quite love going to the Grumpy Cat's Facebook page. Lots of memes there, which are cool to look at. It's facebook.com forward slash the Grumpy, the official Grumpy Cat, the official Grumpy Cat. It also reminds me of a story I saw recently about um, the fact that a growing number of black cats are being housed in rescue centers, partly because they don't photograph well. And if you think about it, a cat that's either um, stripy or, or a ginger color or white will look a lot more easy to see in a photograph. Um, and in the age of the selfie, this is um, causing a bit of a problem with adoptions. Um, I mean, as if black cats haven't had it bad enough, they've faced years and decades and centuries of suspicion, hostility, and even death as a result of the bad luck they're said to carry with them. But now, in the age of social media, hundreds of animals are being abandoned as their owners complain that black animals do not photograph well, as as well as their lighter and brighter colored counterparts. So they're less popular than those who enjoy posting self-portraits with their pets on sites such as Facebook. Keep that in mind when you're, when you're out looking for cats, and you'll notice that there are probably more and more black cats also black and white cats in shelters being left behind. Uh, it was World Cat Day 2014 last week, and here on Heavy Petting, we've been celebrating the odd, amusing things that our cats do. Thank you very much for your awesome pics. Um, we've got pictures of cats opening doors by themselves, pictures of cats who are best friends with pit bulls, um, and a whole lot more, which I'll, I'll put up for you. Um, and moving now on to helping a horny friend. Well, the latest in rhino poaching and uh, the government's efforts to thwart rhino poaching, the South African government's made a really big step and a really real step. They are to evacuate up to 500 rhino from the Kruger National Park due to this threat from poachers hunting them for their home. Um, it's it's a massive operation. It costs thousands of pounds um, and there are a lot of uh, people who have to be involved, including a bunch of Russian people who've actually donated aircraft helicopters um, for them. Rhinos are, are actually darted, and then their legs are bound together, and they're transported upside down in the air by a helicopter. So 500 of them are being evacuated, and they'll be taken to private parks and to smaller game uh, game parks, where they can be watched and protected. It's a lot more easy to control than being right out in the open in the Kruger National Park. So um, if you really do want to try and help a horny friend, here's a real way. Exclusively right here on Heavy Petting, you can win a TW Steel Rhino Rage watch worth 6,000 Rand. TW Steel Oversized Watch Brand has partnered with the Rhino Action Group Effort, or RAGE, to support the fight against rhino poaching in South Africa with the sale of these special edition timepieces. Absolutely beautiful. There's a choice of four, and if you're the lucky winner, you can choose. Um, there's lady style and then three main styles as well. Um, all you need to do to win is email me, leanne at cliffcentral.com. That's L-E-I-G-H at, sorry, L-E-I-G-H A-N-N at cliffcentral.com with the answer to this question. What percentage of proceeds from buying a TW Steel Rhino Rage watch goes to the fight for Rhino? And the answer you can find on a special website for the watch, it's twsteelrhinorage.co.za. And we continue the conservation conversation. Um, as mentioned, I spent some time with Hank Chalmers, who's from Eagle Encounters at Spear outside Stellenbosch. And... Uh, 
This time, we, this time we spoke about why huge populations of pigeons in cities is a problem. So I spoke to Hank about the commercial side of his business, um, which is pigeon control in Cape Town. That's reptiles. That's, a, that's more the, let's call it the commercial side of what we do. Um, a partner, Alan, myself, have got a business called Reptiforce, and what we do is we do pigeon control, um, bird abatement. So what we do is, um, you can imagine the cities are full of pigeons. Uh, one or two pigeons isn't a problem, but the amount of pigeons you get, they miss. Um, and the feces is actually very dangerous. A lot of people don't know this. If you look overseas, for people that clean pigeon feces, they actually wear bio suits, a whole suit. Yeah, we just send a guy and say, go clean. Yeah. You know, there's, there's sicknesses here. So then aside, um, what do we have to get rid of the problem? Well, you can shoot, but at least you know what you're doing. You can injure the animal. You know, mm. that's a bad death for anything. Poisons are no good. Uh, they kill everything, you know, so we don't have much. Trapping, well, a pigeon isn't that stupid. You'll catch a few and then he's done. So what we do is we use the birds of prey. So we go there. The bird is doing what it does. It's hunting, yeah. you know. It's seeing a pigeon. It's hunting that pigeon. Um, and don't, don't make any mistake on this. We, we, we're going out there to give the bird an opportunity to catch it. Yeah. But at the end of the day, the pigeon is doing his best to get away. Now... We go to a place, let's just say there's a hundred pigeons there, and we chase them. Those, that hawk flies all over the place trying to catch them. Um, if he catches one, it's his. Done. He's hunted it. Well done, my boy. Have your meal. It's finished. But the idea is chasing. So those pigeons have come in at night to find a nice, cool place to rest. It's nice and easy. Nothing's going to harm them. There's no predators around. We introduce the predator. We make that environment an unsafe place to live. It's unbelievable how well it works. You know, the pigeons just leave. You know, obviously it's a thing we can't just go once. You've got to go a few times because the pigeons will leave and then come back, check it out. Oh, it's safe again. Yeah. So we, we have a look at the problem and we put a, a management program in for the guys. And we have been so successful. It's, it's really yeah. amazing. Areas that the guys were pulling their hair, cutting thousands of rent to clean gutters and that, sorted. And uh, we've just received a message on WeChat straight to studio. If you want to do that, you can go onto the Cliff Central channel on WeChat and uh, you can click the little button that says message to show. So, Monique, thank you very much for your beautiful pictures of your black, beautiful cat. Um, and... Uh, it just goes to show that if you if you just use the right filters, darling, then you'll be able to take a photograph of your black cat and look absolutely beautiful with it. So yes, that was Tank Har- Hank Tank Harmers. Wow, Hank Thomas, um from Eagle Encounters at Spear outside Stellenbosch. If ever you are at the Spear Wine Farm, uh, maybe um, go and have a look. They do some really cool stuff. You get to touch little owls and do a whole lot of things as well, which is awesome. Uh, also, while in Cape Town, I chatted to Chris Fellows, who is of Apex Shark Expeditions. And uh, him and his wife, Monique, to do this thing together where they are wildlife naturists, naturalists and are absolutely passionate about sharks. They spend at least 150 days at sea every year working with a variety of shark species. So we chatted about how the Great White is a finely tuned athlete. And I was very surprised to hear that Chris also has a soft spot for the prey, the seals. Well, the interesting thing with with animals is the fact that to become, you know, a mature adult in the animal kingdom, you basically have to be an Olympic athlete. It's only the absolute strongest that survive. There is no space for for a weak animal. There is no space for a lazy animal. There is no space for 
an animal that it's not alert or doesn't work as a team player. And ultimately, when you look at wildlife in any form, you're looking at the absolute elite. When we work with the, the Cape fur seals um, that are preyed upon by the great white sharks, every day those animals return to Seal Island. They've accomplished what, a, what an Olympic athlete does. You know, it's from, they're swimming marathons every day. They're going out in the most inhospitable conditions. Um, they face uh, a multitude of different threats. And you know, every time they come home, it's, it's basically like surviving an all-out marathon that you've been chased by great white sharks as the sweepers behind you, and any weak ones or those that aren't vigilant fall off the back. So in all forms of nature, you know, I agree with you 100%. It's, it's um, elite athletes that you're looking at, mm. and it's, it's a tremendous privilege to be around them. And I think also what people don't realize is just... Uh, how much respect we should have for them because to become a an adult in any wildlife population is damn damn difficult it's a it's a feat You've it's an absolute yeah. feat yeah it's a, it's it's kind of like thinning out the masses and only the cream of the crop survive mm. i was when i when i knew that i was going to to chat to you um uh, I've got quite a fear of sharks, and I also feel terribly for seals. <laughs> those sort of those that sort of combination with yeah. um, the kills and that sort of thing, I really battle with. Sure. And so what I did one evening was I thought, let me desensitise myself, and I started watching great white and seal um, encounters. Yeah. And I was really amazed to see how dexterous these little seals are and yeah. how they really do fight very hard to get away yeah and it's not just an easy kill i mean the, the sharks have to work for it yeah that's right and in fact the, like in so many forms of predation in nature there's a, an incredibly fine balance and in the shark and seals case the sharks have got the the, the power they've got the speed but the sharks have got the agility and endurance and that's why if we look at all the predations we've we've taken note of over the years it's nearly 10,000 events now. The success of the shark is at 49%, just over 49%. So let's call it 50%. So it's a beautiful balance. Mm. And, you know, the strength of one is matched by the strength of another. And one of the things we try and, you know, convey to our guests, and it's not always easy, is to have a, a tremendous respect for what's actually going on out there. You know, yes, it's exciting to see a shark chasing a seal, and, and yes, to see a great white flying through the air is one of nature's greatest spectacles. But on the other hand, both of those animals are in front of your eyes fighting for survival. Yeah. And, you know, when people come to me and they say, oh, I want to see a seal die or something like that, you know, I, I try my very best to point out to them that put yourself in the position of that seal. Yeah. That animal is six to seven months of age. It's going out there in many cases for amongst the first few feeding sorties in its life. And it's been chased by a predator that has been refined over 60 million years to be one of the ocean's ultimate hunting machines. And it has to rely purely on instinct to, to survive. And, you know, you can, you can see the fear in those animals. They, yeah. they are terrified. And then on the flip side of the coin, you know, I say to them, you know, also don't hold what the great white shark's doing against it because... If that shark doesn't catch that seal, and it doesn't catch another seal and another seal, all of a sudden it's a hungry animal and it's going to starve. And ultimately these animals are not killing for wanton waste. They're killing purely out of their need to survive. There's no toying with their prey. There's no 
eating too much and leaving lots behind and just killing, you know. Well, in fact, d- domestic cats are more cruel than sharks, yeah, if you think probably, about probably, it. It's probably because they spend so much time around us, but, yeah. um, <laughs> you know, I always say a great white shark is a gentlemanly killer. It tells mm. you, I'm going to kill you if I catch you. Mm. It's as simple as that. Don't let me catch you because if I catch you, I'm going to tear you in half and quickly catch, kill, and consume you. And that's the way they work, yeah. you know. And it, it's, you, if you working with these animals, you you know, you have a tremendous respect for them. And I can tell you, I'm one of those that I, I hate to say, and a lot of my, my guy friends will, will cringe when I say this, but I'm a SEAL supporter. You know, this, is, this is what fascinated me. When we first started talking, the first creature you spoke about, yeah. and, I mean, I've, I've been calling you in my notes, I'm going to see the shark man, the shark in inverted man. commas, and uh, there you were speaking about SEALs, <laughs> the, first, the first chance you got. Um, so I, yeah. I think that's really great. And I have a huge respect for both. I mean, mm. Monique and I have, have cut a career in working with great white sharks, and we have a tremendous love and passion for those animals. But, um, yeah, I love animals. I don't like to see anything die, but I understand the necessity and the, 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 the reason behind it. Uh, but, you know, to see an animal scared is, is never a nice thing, but the the one good thing is when a great white catches a seal, it, it catches, kills, and consumes it very, very quickly. Mm. And in the large animal world, you know, where you've got big predators taking on big prey, it's one of the most humane and efficient deaths that there is out. That was Chris Fellows of Apex Shark Expeditions. Really pleasant, pleasant surprise there hearing him talk about seals um, with such softness and care. Uh, and in fact, when I got to his and Monique's home, I was greeted by tens of ducks, geese, and birds um, out in the wild in his garden. And uh, they're all there because he feeds them. So it really is an animal lover all round. And although Chris and Monique make their living taking people to view great white sharks and enjoy shark diving in Cape Town, their aim is to provide the most natural encounter with sharks. If you are interested in going on one of their tours, you can check them out online at apexpredators.com or on Facebook. It, their name there is Apex Sharks, also on Twitter, at Apex Sharks. Okay, we're going to take a quick break here on Heavy Pating on Cliff Central. We'll be back in a bit. When the takes you down when the doubt takes you under when you sink like a stone and you can't breathe when the tears take control when the demons take over won't be in this alone Got me.
takes you down When the doubt takes you under You're not in this alone You got me Heavy patting on Clip Central every Wednesday, 10 till 11, with myself, Leanne Mole. Um, thank you for all your messages. We've been asked to repeat the details for the Rhino Watch competition. I will do so in a moment. Um, however, I was very lucky to catch Jono, who works with us. I wanted to speak to him last week. Shame, Jono's doggy went missing um, about a week ago. First of August. First of August. Yeah. So Friday. two weeks almost. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've all found ourselves in this situation before. During oh, it's horrible, yeah. Renovations, the dog gets out mm-hmm. um, and mm-hmm. not much. Not he was much. a very highly strung dog. And uh, What breed was he? he? We're not sure. You see, we got him as a type of a stray. Mm. He lived across the road from us and the people there weren't really taking care of us. He was coming to our house, um, and eventually we said to them, listen, you've got to keep your dog, because we had other dogs. And they said to us, we don't want him. If you don't take him, we're taking him to the SPCA. So that's how we got him. And he was a miniature Doberman cross something else. He has the markings of a of a Rottweiler, but he's very okay. small. So the tan and black markings. Exactly. And, uh, you know, when he was a puppy, he got parvo, which... Um, I'm sure you know it's yes. a very serious disease for puppies, and he survived it. It cost us ten grand to get him through it. Oh, gosh. Anyway, like we fell in love with this dog, um, but he's a very highly strung dog. Yeah, that's that's miniature pinches that's for you thing. though. Yeah. He couldn't handle all that stress, so we think that's why he ran away because he has run out the gate before. But all of a sudden on this day, there were five new men working in our garden, and he just bolted. Yeah. So he has a chip in him. But you know those chips, I don't understand, like Duncan was just saying to me now, why you can't track the dog with that chip. That's the thing. You you want, you feel like you want to just pick up your phone and find and out where exactly. he is looking yeah. on a GPS thing. Exactly. Well, um, the exact same thing has happened to me twice with my miniature pincher with builders where he disappeared. Um, the first time he was found um, living a very lovely little life of luxury he -hmm. found a little poodle friend and lived in their house for about a week and was treated really well well it's it's a good ending to the story then (laughs) a good ending there and just recently uh, maybe a month ago he disappeared as well Um, and i think with these little dogs what the problem is is that they're so highly strung the builders Mm -hmm. even might try and catch them but they can't because the little dog runs away from them yeah because they're afraid well he made his own way back in the middle of the night after how long three in the morning that day. Oh, yeah. what a relief, eh? Um, and managed to squash himself through the fence or the whatever. Fence. Yeah, he actually broke a rib trying to get through. We're very adamant in getting oh, back. Shame, man. But uh, it, yeah, it happens. And 
I've, I have read that there are these little stickers that you can put onto your dog's collar, which have a chip in them, mm-hmm. um, which is a tracking device. But they haven't come to South Africa yet. Mm. Um, so for now, we just rely on people taking finding them, them and taking them into a vet. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. They'll only really scan them if they take them to a vet or well, some vets or yeah. if they take them to the SPCA. Yeah. So, yeah. But you know what? We've been speaking to a lot of car guards. They're the most helpful. They'll be like, yeah, I saw a black dog. And mm. do you know how many little black dogs there are running around in a town? I mean, and the problem imagine. is he's so little. Yeah. You won't even see him half the time. Exactly. At night, you can't even look. Like, I mean, sometimes nighttime is the only time you can go around driving and look for him. Yeah. It's really difficult. Yeah. And, um, yeah, also we've just been putting up posters, but a lot of people will take down your posters. Oh, really? Yeah, people don't like posters on their shops. Um, okay. You can't stick up a poster at a garage. Yeah. Um, all these, you can't stick them on the stop signs, obviously. I do. I stuck them underneath the stop. I didn't cover yes. the stop. But you'll find a lot of people will actually rip down your sign, you know, mm, but at least they saw it. Grumpy people. Exactly. Um, we've actually got coming in next week uh, Esme Nathanson. She is married to a lawyer, Brad Nathanson, and uh, along with Brad Nathanson Investigations, she she received so many um, letters from people and phone calls saying, I've lost my dog, can you help? Um, and they're, they're private investigators and lawyers as well. Mm. And she has now gone off on her own and started this entire thing where she looks for help, helps you find your lost dog. How does she do it? Like, Well, she's based in Durban, but apparently flies up to wherever you need her to be. Mm-hmm. Joburg or Cape Town. She's in Joburg next week, so I've caught her, and um, we'll find out exactly how she does yeah, that. Yeah, I'd next love to week. know what her success rate is, because apparently really good. I checked it? out her Facebook page, and there are lots of people with and, very happy letters. And what are the fees, though? Yeah, that's the thing. Just I mean, imagine flying her up here from Durban, exactly, and then where yeah. does she stay? I mean, it must take her like two weeks, three weeks to investigate properly. Well, and if you, if your dog's missing, there's space in the kennel, so she could stay in there. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> Promise, I'm kidding. Uh, shame, Jono. Well, uh, lots of luck and yeah, uh, let thank us know you. how it goes. And if anyone sees my dog. Yes, yeah. which area? It's East Rand, east of Joburg. Primrose okay. is where I stay. But you know when a dog is running, they can go for miles. That's it, yeah. I've been phoning Boxburg, um, Benoni, all surrounding areas. But yeah. yeah. But well, anyway. Good luck. You know, life happens. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Leah. Thank you. Okay, um, we're continuing now on heavy petting. Um, let's get the... Details again for that watch competition. Um, this is a real way to help a horny friend. <laughs> the rhino, the rhino um, poaching incidents, which are becoming more and more prominent, and this is a way that you can help by purchasing this watch. Um, and 50% of the proceeds go to helping rhinos. So it's called a TW Steel oversized watch, and TW Steel have partnered with the Rhino Action Group effort, that's RAGE, to support the fight against rhino poaching in South Africa with the sale of special edition timepieces. The way to win one is to email me, leanne at cliffcentral.com. And that's L-E-I-G-H-A-N-N at cliffcentral.com. With the answer to the following question, what percentage of proceeds from buying a TW Steel Rhino RAGE watch goes to the fight for the rhino. And you can find the answer, if you've missed it, on twsteelrhinorage.co.za. What have we got there, Duncan? It's a little bit far away. Hearing about rhinos being transported to smaller reserves from the Kruger, even though my partner's family had employed trackers to follow the rhinos, two of their beloved rhinos were poached 
on their small farm outside Brits. Sometimes seems like there's no end to the slaughter. That's from Steph. Yeah, we're speaking about the rhinos who are going to be relocated out of the Kruger National Park, 500 of them, where they'll be split up and put onto smaller farms. This is government's way of trying to protect the animals, um, but it just shows that they're not protected anyway. Thanks, Cam, also for sending in a beautiful picture of your black cat, and we can see exactly what your black cat looks like. Again, um, don't be scared of not being able to photograph a black cat. That's just silly, I think. And uh, yeah, also from Cam saying, I agree taking photos of my black cat is impossible, but I find photographing him or her outside and adding a filter does the job. Sad to hear people abandoning pets due to their color. Absolutely bizarre, if you ask me. Uh, Okay, so there's been quite an important um, set of animals, not even a set, three of them, of animals in the news uh, this week. And those are incredibly rare panda triplets, which were born in China. Um, and I've got this report here from SourceFed. Hello, everybody. Welcome to SourceFed. I'm Joe Beretta. It's estimated that 1,600 pandas exist in the wild today. Optimistic estimates set the number as high as two to 3,000. That's all sorts of high levels of endangered, y'all. And that's also what makes this next announcement not just adorable, but super exciting. China just announced the healthy birth of extremely rare panda triplets. The three pink scamps plopped out of their mama back on July 29th, but the little guys needed to make it through the first couple of weeks before the announcement went public. The little guys plopped out of their mama a couple weeks ago, but they needed to survive the first couple of weeks before their was an official announcement. Because you don't want to hold a massive press announcement and be like, three pandas were born today, everybody. Excuse me? What? Oh my God. Okay, I'll, I'll fix this. Two pandas were born today. What? Really? A panda was born today. Freaking a what? You can't, you can't be serious. Really? Okay. Thank you for coming today. The air in China is still very bad. So, the three unnamed panda babies are the result of a rigorous artificial breeding program instituted to help boost the struggling panda numbers. Apparently, this is only the fourth successful triplet birth, which is cool, but what's cooler is that because of the panda-loving efforts in China, their numbers seem to be on the rise. A little bit. Do you guys think the panda was like, I'm pregnant! Oh, joy! Excuse me, what, doctor? There's three heartbeats? Mom, I'm not ready for this. I thought I was, but I'm not. Probably not, because she's a panda. So I don't know if you guys know or not, but pandas really suck at procreation, making babies, elongating their existence. Mortality rates of infants is incredibly high, so these breeding programs are incredibly important. Especially since we humans are not making their lives any easier outside of the lab, what with our progress and stuff. So nothing is certain for these babes, and the hope is that they grow into healthy panda toddlers that grow up to go to panda school, and they play panda high school sports while also concentrating on panda academics and panda arts, like playing the panda trumpet, so they can grow up to be well-rounded pandas that need breeding program assistance to someday have a beautiful panda family. Their external no-no spots don't develop until several months after their births, and I learned that traditionally they are bequeathed with names 100 days after said birth. So when these pandas get to day 100, fingers crossed, what do you guys think we should name them? Let us know in the comments down below, and when you're done with that, please like the video and subscribe to the channel. Thanks for watching, SourceFed, guys. You're, you're swell. You're swell. Nobody's, nobody's ever kissed the camera before. Nobody would ever do that to end a video. I'm like the only person that's ever ended their video with a kiss. And a snarky comment kiss. <laughs> so, so very, very silly. <laughs> um, thanks, Lionel, for sending to us on WeChat's message to show 
a picture of your beautiful um, Rottweiler. We featured uh, Rottweilers earlier today. They are the fourth most popular dog breed in South Africa. And then we got another strange um, um, message saying, it's from Kimberly saying, my brother's dog runs after the chickens and kills them. It's horrible. Is there a way we can stop this? Because tying him up makes him so violent. Gosh, it sounds like there are a myriad of problems there. Um, if only we could call in Cesar and he could come and fix all of this for us. But Kimberly, if you please remember your question because we often have um, animal behaviorists in studio, so I'm sure that they would be able to help and answer your question. Um, right, so I found a story about goats. I'm always looking for goats. I love goats. I think they're absolutely beautiful. Um, and in America in particular, right in the middle of big cities, big and small cities, are turning to this new unlikely kind of employee in the hopes of saving money and improving local streets and parks. All of all that we know is that they, there, there's a lot of cost involved in mowing lawns and keeping pavements neat. Well, all you need to do is bring in a bunch of goats and uh, that sorts that out. They eat almost everything, um, which is why you've got to watch them because they, they might just eat absolutely everything, all of your um, shrubs and all of that as well. But they work really well. They're becoming an increasingly cost-effective and eco-friendly way for cities and parks and natural resources departments and even private property owners to clear areas of unwanted vegetation. Uh, and they, well, you know that they also like to jump, so they're not the easiest animals to keep in your backyard. So don't be lazy. Mow your lawn. That's all we've got for today on Heavy Petting on Cliff Central. Next week again, Wednesday, 10 to 11 a.m. And in the meantime, if you want to email me with any questions or suggestions, you can. It's Leanne at cliffcentral.com. That's L-E-I-G-H-A-N-N at cliffcentral.com. And next week we'll announce the winners of our TW Steel Rhino Rage Watch.